Hello, welcome back to the Almighty Podcast Series. It's your host, Alexander Lewis. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Hope you're having a great day so far. Uh, in today's conversation, I had the pleasure of having August Rosedale on. August is an inventor and entrepreneur from San Francisco, California. And after various business endeavors throughout his life, he has most certainly found his passion and success in his most recent venture with Mirage Gallery. Now, Mirage Gallery is a gallery of digitally generated AI art that August founded at the end of 2020. Now, this art, it includes art from AI-generated artists, which is one of his earlier projects with Mirage Gallery, uh, evolving art via NFTs in the blockchain, and other art projects where the incredible technology and innovation of AI-generated art is showcased. And if you have no idea what any of this means, no worries. I have a feeling your questions uh, will be answered in this conversation. Now, you know, with August in this in this conversation, we talk about how he built the foundation for Mirage Gallery, uh, the 27-hour roadblock along the way, his life as an entrepreneur growing up in San Francisco, luck versus skill, taxes and crypto, and much, much more. So I hope you enjoy this conversation, and without further ado, a conversation with August Rosedale. All right, August. Thanks for being here on yeah, the podcast. For sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm really excited to be able to talk to you just because, one, it's, it's cool to be able to talk to other like Santa Clara University students yeah. who are doing like amazing things. And I, I feel like it's inspiring. Just this is why, a part the reason why I do these like episodes and stuff is because I learn so much, motivates me get off my ass off the couch and stuff but um yeah did you want to just give a brief intro or however long yeah. intro about yourself yeah sure so yeah my name's august i have pretty much just been trying to come up with my own project ideas like just for as long as i can even remember mm-hmm. and um so we're both in the same grade here we're both seniors but um i've kind of just been doing projects since high school just kind of trying to just come up with an idea or something to build so i'm studying mechanical engineering so I, i've always been into actually building also which is kind of funny because the current project i'm doing is is not physical yeah I was gonna but say. yeah but i kind of started in high school with like building things and trying to make a business out of it and then coming to college you kind of quickly figure out that doing physical projects that involve prototypes and all these materials are really expensive to just like try out you know because you have to buy all these parts then you have Mm -hmm. to like commit from there so in college i started getting kind of just focused on software projects Mm -hmm. so um one of the ones that i did with my friend was we started just doing software development services for people like Mm. just building apps and sites and just really basic stuff and the whole idea was that we could make some profits from doing that and then take those profits and fund like fun ideas because obviously the soft software development side of things it it isn't like a super fun exciting project (laughs) but it did make some money that could then fund something that we're actually interested in so then we so we did that for a bit and then the project that i started out out of that was mirage gallery um and i kind of started it just playing around with different like open source 
AI tools. Mm-hmm. And my friend who was doing the, the software company, um, he, he got some early, early, early access to GPT-3 from OpenAI. And so him and I were playing with that. And then we started looking into these actual models that don't just output text, but actually output images. And then that's kind of how it all started. And this was in December of 2020. Mm-hmm. So before the crazy like NFT hype happened, because that started in like March or April of 2021. Mm-hmm. 2021, yeah. Yeah, so we got kind of just started doing all this art stuff. And then I was like, okay, well, it would be cool to, to try to sell this. And I was planning on just selling physical canvas prints of these mm-hmm. art pieces because I, at this time, still hadn't heard of nfts which is obviously the project turned into being that was kind of the tech that it was all built on top of Mm. but i was just doing physical prints and then i was like okay i want like some certificate of authenticity like how do you do that with a digital item that like starts digitally you know Mm. there's no painted picture that was painted by hand it starts digitally so how do you give someone a certificate when they buy that that kind of shows that it's not a fake Mm. then i was looking into blockchain tech and found out about nfts and i was like okay cool so i'll just do this as like the underlying tech that people don't actually care about that much Mm. and then the nft thing started happening where (laughs) it started just blowing up and then i was like okay well so maybe i'll focus on this and have like the physical prints be like a secondary side of things so that was how Mirage Gallery got started, and it's now back. Yeah, it started in 2020, so it's definitely been a bit now. Yeah, so, yeah. And a, and a couple of things I want to ask about. Yeah. That. But first off, well, like let's just with Mirage Gallery. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know you're doing this. You decided to start this up so you can be able to potentially fund some, like physical projects that you wanted to work on. Well, Is that what you're saying? so no. So I'm saying this. Doing the software development the service for people yeah. funded Mirage Gallery okay. at the beginning. So that was kind of like the fun idea yes. was okay. Mirage Gallery. Because I just kind of, I got into AI over uh, COVID when it was like the first quarantine mm. time. When it was like the school sent, sent us all home and it was like full on, like you're just at home this whole yeah. time. And I was <laughs> like, I was, yeah. And I was playing with like deep fakes. Yeah. Like yeah. doing that sort of and I was playing with all these different open source AI tech. And then I got into the art side of things. And then I kind of just got super into that. But mm. at that time I was still like, okay, am I just doing this for fun? Or like is there actually something that can like come out of this? And mm. then it kind of just all built from there. So you did that you did you did that uh that deep dive down the rabbit hole as mm-hmm. as everyone has yes. in with web3 and crypto yes, exactly. in 2020 it, um, well i think it was it was kind of the deep dive was into ai in 2020 mm-hmm. and then in 2021 that's when it, it yeah. was when i started deep diving into the actual crypto side of things after i found out about nfts in yeah. the first place so was ai ever because i know you mentioned doing like physical projects earlier on mm-hmm. So was it really just 2020 where AI was on? Like you just learned about AI then and you just you just became fascinated with it? Or I kinda, like with Mirage Gallery, did you ever have this idea of something like like with artists or anything like on digital art? Like did you ever have that idea or was it because of the AI? It was because of the AI for sure. So mm. I just, at the time, I kind of, I've always known, I've always tried to like stay up to date on just new 
technologies mm. that are coming out. So AI was always interesting, but I also knew like I'm not as competent to like try to just fully code something of that mm. complexity. So I'm I've always just been more technically into like physical building and electronics um and some coding here and there but not like as crazy as the ai stuff is yeah. but i think it was yeah during quarantine when i was actually like okay there's all these different open source technologies that i kind of didn't know like okay all you have to do is be you still have to be pretty technical because you have to figure out how to take this code and like actually get it to do anything but you don't necessarily have to code the whole thing by yourself yeah. and that was kind of when i was like okay i can actually have these like just technical skills i have like just mm. with computers and all that mm. but not necessarily need a phd in computer science to code this yeah. because like the people who fully code That's some of this insane. stuff they have phds it's yeah. like i'm not i'm not going to compete there <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. but i think it was just the whole open source thing i was like okay i can actually have access to this crazy stuff and i can try to do my own things with it without necessarily having to code the whole thing from scratch mm. but then still try to get an understanding of what's actually happening here without needing like the super technical details of, of that yeah definitely yeah. i mean it's it seems really daunting with you know you hear the word like ai all the time yeah, yeah. and like even our senior design project here mm -hmm. we worked with with ai that's right and it was like when going into it first i'm like how the heck are we supposed to like come up with this ai and then obviously there's open source stuff which yeah. is really cool I'm yeah. like, okay we just piece together the parts yeah. and everything um so yeah like i've yeah, at first, it would be like, how the heck am I going to code all this, right? Yeah. Uh, so with Mirage Gallery and finding that open, like, open source uh, resources, was it still, like, a lot of hands-on, like, tweaking it and things like that to get... Because the artwork is pretty incredible. Like, I've, I've seen yeah. some of the pieces. Thank I mean, you. and it seems like a lot of people think it's yeah, incredible, too. With, <laughs> yeah. The, so, yeah, I mean, at the beginning, I've kind of... I've done plenty of different experimenting with different sorts of models now that can mm. create images right so at the beginning i was focusing entirely on gans um mm. where i pretty much would create my own big data set and then train a gan on the data set gotcha. so so you like at, made you made your own i made data the data set gotcha. so okay. that also was something i knew i like felt like i had to do at the beginning because I knew there was all these like pre-made data sets that you yeah. could just download. But I was like, if I do it with a data set that everyone else has trained on, mm. it's just going to give the same sort of outputs yeah. that everyone else is getting who trained on the same data set. Because once you kind of get into these models, it's like it definitely comes down to the data that you're training it on. So I was yeah. like, okay, at the beginning, the first styles of art that I was creating were well, so the first project was creating these two AI artists mm. that were, the idea is that it was not supposed to just be AI art. It was supposed to be an AI artist that's creating their own art. Mm. And the whole idea was to combine all these different sources of, uh, of AI tech and then plus the NFT side of things. So with that, I pr pretty much had these faces for the artists that, looked like a headshot but are not actually a person oh okay so right? those are not actual people yeah yeah Got so you. i created these t 
two artists that I n- named Alejandro and Taylor. Mm. And they have their own headshots, they have their own Twitter accounts, and the Twitter account is has been stuffed with GPT-3. Um, so, like, they tweet with GPT-3, right? And wow. then... And then I created these data sets for them and then trained these big models on these data sets that actually is art, is what actually creates the art. So you have their faces, you have their textual outputs, which is doing tweets, their biographies, and naming the art pieces. And then there's actually the art itself. And then that was kind of the first project with Mirage Gallery mm. that was like, okay got it all started and then there's been a bunch of different projects since then but aside from those beginning. aside from the ai artists mm-hmm. it's just it, you've there's been had a few other more. different projects yeah, okay a few more that is fast you know what like because i going on the website mirage gallery i did like a couple months ago mm-hmm. and i saw the artists and i was i was conf- i didn't know enough you know enough yeah, about it, it i was like people. i was confused i was like <laughs> so the artists did they paint like one thing and then it like generates all these new different things um so yeah, no, that makes a lot more sense now, and then yeah. that's super cool. You think so? You do you think the success of it? Obviously, the artwork is really good, yeah, but you think also well, having these like personality, like these these people. That was definitely the idea. It's mm. it's kind of funny though because Alejandro and Taylor were not what actually started picking up traction mm. for Mirage Gallery. What actually started getting us some attention and started like actually making more like significant money were Alejandro and Taylor were selling some pieces and it was probably like i don't know we probably made like three to five ethereum through that which at the time was still like thousands of dollars so it was still like great but it wasn't like really like just like picking up a bunch of traction yet and then project that that actually like really got things going was this project i did called crypto native and the idea with that project, it was after I got deeper into NFTs and understanding because Alejandro and Taylor, I created them and that idea still before I knew about NFTs. So they were very focused for me. They were very focused on just traditional art that you would just get a physical print of it and you'd hang up. Mm-hmm. So the crypto native project was when I actually was getting deeper in the NFT space and I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to be doing stuff with all this cool blockchain tech, Mm. I feel like I should be doing something that you can't as much do in a traditional art sense. And so the project that I came up with, um, with that idea in mind was having art created by AI there's not a specific artist headshot. Like, yeah. it's just its own thing. But the art actually evolves when secondary sales happen. Mm. And because that, I was like, okay, now that's something you can't really do. And I, right, if you have a painting you bought that someone painted and you sell it to someone, the painting's going to look the same, yeah. you know? Yeah. So the project that I did was pretty much having the secondary sales tracked through the o- 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 OpenSea API. And then... When a sale happens that meets certain sale requirements, it actually evolves the image into mm. a further trained version of the same painting. Mm. So you can pretty much train for different periods of time. And as you're training these GANs, you can take uh, snapshots of the model. Mm. So let's say I trained it for three days straight on a big computer. And then over that three days, I took 10 snapshots 
every however many hours, yeah. right? Then I have these 10 different snapshots that are all the same model kind of being trained on the same data set, but they're all different points of time for how long it's been training, right? And as you train it, things tend to get better, assuming your data set's good and there's no like technical overfitting problems that come into play. But pretty much with those snapshots, mm. if I ask each of them to output the same image, which is called a seed, you kind of give it like a seed and then it, it'll create an output from that. Mm. So if I ask each of them to output the same seed, then each of them will try and kind of output the same image, but they have been training for different periods of time, so they don't always look the same. So yeah. it's kind of an evolved version. So then pretty much when the sales would happen, I would go from like the first snapshot's output of this one yeah. to the second snapshot's output of this one, and that can keep going. So that was the project where we did a 1,000 of those. So mm. like there was a 1,000, but then technically there's actually kind of almost 10,000 total images because there's a 1,000, but each of them can evolve 10 times. Yeah. So each of them has 10 phases. So there's a thousand and we were selling those. The whole idea was sell those for cheap because with NFTs, you're able to get a cut of secondary sales. So my whole thing has always been like, if you're doing a large scale project, it feels more ethical to sell them for cheaper. So you can let people buy them who might not be able to afford if you put mm. it for sale for a ton of money yeah. because you're able to make back money with secondary sales. So it's not like you're not going to get paid in the future if you sell them for cheap. You can sell them for cheap and still make a bunch of money in the future because if secondary sales keep happening. So we did a thousand of these, sold them for 0.025 Ethereum a piece and it's kind of just like building on this project. And then we went to launch it and it, I was just doing all this like promo for it. And, and then everything sold out for that one in yeah. like 10 minutes or something, okay. which was just like, at the time, I mean, it was just completely insane. And Were we you just in like, shock? Did yeah, you I was any... completely in shock. I mean, I was just sitting, it was a Monday morning yeah. at 9.30 a.m. <laughs> or I think 9 a.m. was when the project was supposed to start. And then by like, 906 or something they've all sold oh and i'm just sitting there um and just was like wow this was insane and then there was this whole thing where me and my friend locus who's the one who's been part of all of these projects mm -hmm. um we had this whole like there was these bugs that happened um where the metadata which is getting technical but the metadata of each piece they got messed up, mm. so not all thousand of them were showing properly. Gotcha. And then okay. we were dealing with trying to fix that without messing up the ones that did go through properly. Yeah, yeah. And we stayed up for 27 hours after that straight because oh it ended up being so complicated and hard to fix without messing up everything else because yeah. people were selling them on the secondary. Yeah. So we were like, we want to make sure that the ones that people are selling on the secondaries, we don't change. When, when we try to fix all these other ones, but we're trying to not do them by hand, right? So we're trying mm. to do a huge bulk thing. So we thought it would not be too bad, but then we stayed up from 9.30 a.m. when we started. We saw this problem happen after it all sold out. We're yeah. like, oh no, there's this issue. And we're like, okay, we'll just start. We'll start trying to fix it. And then we were, we got it pretty much fixed by 11.30 a.m. the next day. Jeez. So it was a crazy experience. It's a roller coaster. It was because it was like we just made all this money and we're like, 
wow, like I, I just felt very responsible. Like I was like, yeah. there's this problem with, with this project and a lot of these people who just paid to buy this yeah. piece, they're not able to see it yet. And yeah. there's, there's this, then we tried to fix it and we thought it was fixed and then there was duplicates and then it was just like My problem gosh. after problem. And then we were up for 27 hours fixing it and then we pretty much had it. So then I think that I still, I, I've told people, it feels like the sleep that I had after that, I'm like, trying to get to a place where I can like sleep like that again. Like it was like <laughs> the best sleep ever. Cause it was like, it was just high it, tense, it was like high pressure, super exciting. Cause we brought in all this money and it was like so exciting yeah. that the project had some success, but then it was like this super high stress, 27 hours of just not sleeping and just trying to fix this. But um, yeah, no super high stress. And then finally getting it fixed. And I remember going to bed at like 8 PM that following day because I hadn't slept the night before and just like sleeping for like 13 hours oh and just gosh, being like, man. we did it. We did it. So you you, know? you've, you've never <laughs> felt that. No, I yeah, haven't felt I that again. Felt. And I'm like, I'm like trying to are get you, that again. It's you, like, you think you're pushing yourself to like try to get that feeling again. I mean, not probably not in the circle. You obviously don't want things bad. Yeah, things no, exactly. But I it's mean, like, I feel like, you know, pushing yourself like yeah, to, it, through these projects and everything. Yeah. It was, it's definitely like, it's kind of funny because, yeah, it's like you want to put yourself, but then also that whole experience of the whole <clears throat> staying up for 27 hours was because of a, 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 a mistake that was made mm. by us. So I think kind of also for future projects, we've been focusing more on making sure that we're not going to have that similar sort of mistake mm-hmm. because it was so difficult yeah. and so stressful to fix, even though we got it fixed. And it was like, it was this whole, like just adrenaline filled time of fixing it. But yeah. it was definitely like, as much as that was like this crazy, exciting experience, I would love if we do a future project like that to maybe just sell out the project and not have the mistake yeah, yeah. Where, where we then have to stay yeah. up for 27 hours. Yeah, you, you know? probably want to avoid that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so if this problem persisted without being able, you being yeah. able to fix it, what would have happened with the project? Because you still had those sales. Was it, was it going to just be messed up on the people who bought that, like on their end? Yes. So okay. the problem was that on their end, pretty much to explain kind of like a simple explanation of Mm. what an nft actually is is like an nft right which stands for non-fungible token is pretty much you you have a contract and on on ethereum for example you can deploy these things called smart contracts smart contracts are just code what that code is is there will be different functions where you can you can do different actions so there's stuff with DeFi and there's stuff with nfts so this a contract for nfts all that contract does normally is it'll have some different functions that'll allow allow it somehow with with some things that have to happen first to mint an nft and minting is just the creating of a coin Mm -hmm. right of a token so the contract has to mint the nft and then that nft is what is now able to be sent to somebody's address on Ethereum, right? We're just talking just about Ethereum. There's obviously, yeah. there's different networks also, but everything I've done so far has been on Ethereum. Mm. Um, so what happens is normally the way the actual content, because when the contract mints the NFT, people are often are like, okay, well, where actually is the image, right? Where's the image? And 
there where's the name and where's the I description yeah. and where are like all these properties like like how is that actually stored right and mm. the, there's two main methods of doing it there's one method of doing like svg files for the Im- Im- images and having all the traits kind of be stored on chain which is cool but it's also can't do it if you're trying to do it with very big image sizes because storing stuff on chain is super expensive um computationally mm. so the the traditional kind of common way of doing it is you pretty much have this json file which will have the name the description the traits yeah. and then it'll have a l- l- link to the image and the question is what do you do to host that json file because mm-hmm. you now need to host that somewhere and you can either make it more or less decentralized depending on what you want to do for your project so normally people will will do it on something like ipfs which is um stands for interplanetary file system Mm. um or yeah um and or file storage well one is the uh, the other um pretty Mm. much what that is 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 I call it like semi-decentralized, but it's pretty much this network where everyone's helping each other store files. Um, so once other nodes can like take a copy of your file, they're now helping you store it, so then you can access it. And, um, and that can kind of be considered decentralized if you have enough people making copies, because then if you took down your copy, They'd all still have their copies, so it'd yeah. still be there. So you can pretty much have your metadata file be stored on somewhere like that, and you have the URL, and that is what is now goes on chain for mm-hmm. your NFT. So your NFT will just return that uh, URL, mm-hmm. which then shows all the image and all that. Gosh, so yeah, so it would have been a really fatal flaw. Yeah, because pretty much the problem was that the links that we were assigning the problem was that some of them were empty so yeah. they had no metadata so they, it's like practically they didn't get their piece of artwork. right so it's like the person has the nft yeah. but the nft is doesn't have anything yeah. it's just a token from a contract with no content mm. so but thankfully for this project we actually did it in a slightly more centralized way on our own servers instead of ipfs um and we did that because of this whole evolving thing and the way that we were actually updating metadata when sales were happening, it was a bit uh, more complicated to come up with a way to do it on IPFS. So we did it on our own servers so we could update the image Mm. and the phase number when secondary sales happened. Mm. So because we had them all hosted ourselves, it was a bit easier for us to potentially get this fixed. But it was a it was a crazy thing. It was <laughs> yeah. crazy. Are you? Let me ask you this. Yeah. Are you like where Mirage Gallery is right now, mm-hmm. and then where you started? Do you ever just did you know the success it was gonna have, or like are you like at this point currently like are you just still shocked about <laughs> like one you being able to like you learning this whole process because like a year ago you didn't you know yeah. you probably didn't have, you didn't know like any of this until the problems arise or anything and you are right. able to fix it like are you kind of still shocked with that you fig- like learned about all this and the success it's had or yeah. have you always had it in the back of your mind like I yeah mean, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a good project i definitely i've since i was younger i've just i've started so many different projects and and, mm-hmm. and i've pretty much tried any method you can think of for like 
trying to make money in mm. some way. I pretty much tried it, like, with just, like, things like Shopify or people doing stuff with Amazon FBA or, like, yeah. it's just, like, literally, like, everything like that or, like, trying to, like, do, like, courses, like, online course. Like, I've, like, tried, like, everything. And mm. every time when I start a project, it's always, like, you learn a ton, but it's also, like, it's never guaranteed. I never really know if it's going to take off or not. Yeah. But I always have hope. But it's also, like, the whole thing, like, 90% of startups fail. Yeah. Right? So it's, like, I've also been trying to just continue working on projects, knowing that on a, from a statistical standpoint, mm. if I keep doing project after project and really focusing on, right, like, fully focusing on each project, but um, just continuing to try different ones if the pre, pre, previous fails... I kind of just had a feeling that at some point, statistically, I would get something that picks up some traction. But when I first started this project, I didn't know that this might be the one that starts picking up some traction yeah. because I've just done this whole starting fun project <laughs> so many times that yeah. it just it's fun and it's cool because I've done projects in all these different spaces, like, um, and I, I I think it helps with just learning. Because I feel like I have learned so much in all these different areas. And then this one, I've just gotten so much deeper because I've, I haven't had a project um, that I've been consistently working on so much for such a long period of time compared to this project. So I've, I've definitely gone even deeper with it. But mm. it's kind of always just been about the fun of trying all these different things and then learning all the info specific to the area that yeah. the current project is in. So yeah. this one started with AI and then got into Web3 and NFTs. So I kind of just have just been diving super deep into yeah. that. Yeah. So you, you, it's like you've done your own little evolution yeah. in this space. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so exactly. with all these other ideas and like projects and stuff, mm -hmm. Was, is it really as simple as you found this the most interesting to you? That's why you wanted to dive deeper in it? Or, like, I'm sure because, you know, you, we hear the thing about everyone has so many ideas. It's yes. all about the execution of them. Totally. Like, how did you choose, you know, like, why this one in particular compared to other ideas you had? Yeah, so this one I definitely got much more interested in on just, like, a personal being interested in the tech. Yeah. Where there were lots of projects in the past where I, like, I was trying things like I was just saying with drop shipping and stuff like Shopify, right? Yeah. Where that I was always like, okay, this is a cool idea to make money. But I was never like I was never actually that interested yeah, in fair. the if there was no money involved if, for drop shipping. Yeah. But I also had no success with that. So maybe it's because I was only trying <laughs> to do it to make money. Yeah. But with this project at the beginning, I remember me and Lucas were saying like this is just kind of for fun. Like yeah. both of us, I remember were playing with these different models and it just felt like it was for fun. And, and I definitely, cause I was doing it first at home with the deep fake mm. technology. And I remember just doing it and it felt, I would just felt very interested in it and just amazed by the tech and not just the AI tech itself, but um, the fact that we can like get access to such um such powerful computers through AWS, like mm. cloud compute things and like those G G 
GCP also, just Google Cloud Computing. So I was trying all these out, and I was just super into the idea that you can just go and fire up one of these huge computers that's in some some server warehouse yeah. and you have access to it and it, you can just train these crazy models that if you were trying to train on your at home computers would either n- n- not be doable or would have to train for 10 times or maybe more than that as much time yeah. to get to the same level of outputs for, for just how good the model has gotten so I was also just very into that idea because that's kind of that that that's a new thing. Yeah. You know, it's like when it's like I'm not sure exactly when Amazon started doing that or when Google started doing that, but before that, if you didn't have the hardware to do it, then you couldn't do it, mm-hmm. right? And the thing is like these computers that I'm training on, training these models on, my fa- my favorite one to train on has 8 um Tesla V100 GPUs, mm. and each of those, if you want to just buy one, like to build a PC or something, you want to buy one, it costs like $12,000. Oh and this gosh, computer man. that I train on has eight of them. Yeah. Right? So that in itself <laughs> is like a hundred grand of yeah. just the GPU power. And you can pretty much do stuff on this computer on Amazon for $24 an hour. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like twenty four bucks an hour. Yeah. To have access to a computer that would cost easily over a hundred thousand dollars in just the GPU. Yeah. Was not yeah. counting the CPU or anything else. Yeah. Like so, I was just like, this is insane. That's like cool. that we're living in a time where you can even just have access to that. Yeah. So that kind of got me into it too, because then you can see all this open source tech, and you can actually implement things with it because you have you you have access to a computer that can actually train such a big model mm-hmm. and not have to own the computer which is not practical you know yeah yeah so yeah that definitely got me <laughs> Dude, with all also. the advancement we have it's it's like it's practically just you're only limited by it's like your ability to you know think how big this can be you know yeah. it's like there's so much access now with anything yeah. like and any idea you can run with it yeah and everything is just improving so quickly right because tech is, yeah. is extremely exponential with yeah. how things improve so even just like these ai art models it feels like because i'm just so deep in this space now and i always see the newest stuff that's coming out and it feels like now it's just like people are just pumping out like crazy new model after crazy new model like mm. the tech is just improving so quickly and then the hardware is also improving to be able to train bigger models faster and cheaper yeah. right so it's just like everything yeah. is just an exponential trend here mm. which is kind of crazy to just see it all happening and try to be like you know it's like i don't even know what i could predict for what things will look like a decade from now it's yeah like anyone at this point in time who says they can predict what tech will look like a decade out is completely yeah. full of themselves like Never the tech know. is so it's so hard to predict these trends that like it's 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 evolving so quickly that you just have no idea what's coming it's yeah it's exciting yeah. as it hits you that you're contributing to the space like you're helping it 
progress yeah. and advance? Is yeah. that has that really hit you? Definitely. It. I. I kind like of. You're no feel, longer a user. Right? Yeah. You're contributing. Yeah. And you're I. De- I definitely feel more now that I've been in the space because I think throughout like the end of 2021, mm. there there was a big crypto boom market happening yeah. where everything was pumping and it was insane and at that point in time mirage gallery felt like we just had so much money because ethereum mm. prices were so high and yeah. now things are not quite looking quite <laughs> as well because ethereum prices has dropped by it's crazy dropped in half since yeah. then pretty much uh, or no lower than that because it was up at like 4800 yeah. ethereum was at 4800 in november and now it's at 1800 yeah. or so. So I keep getting those notifications like it's down 10% yeah. today. It's yeah. so up a little bit, but then down again. That has been painful, but it's definitely felt like since I was in the space a good bit before that, mm. since the end of 2020, it definitely has now felt like I do feel more like I've been in the space and I've been building something for a long yeah. time where it felt like a lot of people when the bull market was happening or when all this happened, people were just coming in and I felt like I was felt more like senior in the space compared to right when I first got in, I was just like, I don't know what's going on. This space is insane, Mm -hmm. but it's also, I still feel very new in the sense also because NFTs started in 2017. So there are still lots of people who have truly are like, OG you know, and yeah. I've been there since 2017, which I am definitely not that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this cool in between where I feel like I have like a, I'm I'm an in between. I'm not like a full like OG NFT person, yeah. but I still got into it before the crazy. You know, it's now it's like you just go out and ask somebody, "Have you heard of NFTs?" And they're just like, "Yep, I've heard of it." Yeah. Where when I was first doing this, like nobody, like nobody besides this really small group of people who knew about it. Nobody knew what that was. So I kind of did feel like I got in a bit before the crazy yeah. hype happened, which definitely felt, felt cool as it kind of built. Yeah, you know? definitely. You know, yeah. it's all, it's all, it sounds like it's just good timing a lot of the times, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I get this from, um, it's either Tim Ferriss or Guy, Guy Raz, Roz, however you pronounce his name, <laughs> uh, and listening to their podcast. But one of them asks, like usually at the end about, it's like how much a percentage if you were to do a percentage how much do you think this project's based from like luck versus like skill is what the, is the terminology they use and you know like there's a lot of great ideas i hear about all the time right there's my teacher told me like at santa clara there's like a doordash that was trying to be made or maybe not just santa clara but somewhere in the bay area there was a doordash on a college campus mm-hmm. that was being made i don't even like early 2000s but it just it just failed mm-hmm. and then now you see like totally newer stuff coming out totally. it's like doordash is popular everything yeah. all this food delivery so if you had to put a percentage what do you think is off i mean you know off all the projects you had you like off the all the failures and the successes mm-hmm. i'm sure mm-hmm. that obviously gave you a, a certain level of mental and like technical expertise yeah but with the timing and everything, what what would you have to put a percentage on that if you did? That's hard. That that's a good question. I'm trying to think because there's definitely luck that comes into play. I feel like with everything mm. and mm. totally with this project because yeah, I 100% think that the timing was pretty good. I mean, obviously, I think if I started way earlier, it would have been even better, but it would have taken a really long time to get there mm. and I it's like 
Um, and at that point in time, it's like the tech wouldn't have been there as much. So who knows how I would have felt in the space and how much I would have kept trying. It's like so hard to say. Yeah. But then so at this point, it was like I felt like I definitely there was definitely some luck because of just coming in at this good time where it was like before it blew up so I could like get comfortable with things and then have it blow up and have this crazy yeah. bull run yeah. of crypto and NFTs. But then also I've I've continued to stick with it 100% even during of the market crashing and a lot of people leaving the space because they feel like there's not money to be made or yeah. whatever. They're scared. Their Ethereum holdings are way down because I mean, <laughs> it's like, trust me. It's like, I know that feeling because our Ethereum holdings <laughs> are way down. <laughs> like, but it's kind of like that wasn't the goal when we came into it. The goal was doing this cool AI art. Yeah. So it's kind of just been like, okay, just keep grinding. But I definitely feel like it has to be like at least a quarter Mm-hmm. luck you mm-hmm. know like yeah. 25 or something like that honestly yeah. like just hearing you talk about it mm-hmm. um and doing my own research about it and seeing the artwork and everything again uh i feel like no matter where in time in the space of like the nfts whether it be if it was a future project or if it was earlier on in 2017 2018 mm-hmm. i feel like it yeah you like you mentioned it might take it longer but yeah it would have totally. still been successful because i mean a valuable thing about it is like you hear about there's a lot of NFT prod. There's so many. It's so saturated, it's and a lot of it is just let me make quick money. Oh like, yeah, let me get I hate quick money. like I hate like ninety five percent NFT projects. Yeah. Like NFT, and they're all gonna go at the end of the day. It's, gonna, it's almost like you're just getting, you're getting okay. Cool, I'm getting like a pixel art or like oh, yeah, just like no, a, it's ridiculous. A, a, a JPEG. No, it's but, ridiculous. You know this the fact that it this crypto native the crypto native project and also even the the first one you the had first with one, the, yeah. the AI uh, yeah. The, the artists the, yeah artists. and yeah. also i've been working on a new one after that too i've been doing mm-hmm. all these i've been working with um other artists who work in the ai art space mm-hmm. and i've been doing drops i've doing like a curated collection from all these other actual human artists who are doing their own ai art so mm-hmm. i've been doing drops with a lot of different people trying to kind of build like a almost like a platform yeah um, that's awesome which kind of i think could be good for like long-term sustainability also because then it 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 doesn't entirely mean i have to just like keep launching new projects it's kind of like we can just build this platform together and have it be like a go-to spot for oh if you're trying to buy some ai art but you don't know where to look or you don't know what artists look up you can just go to mirage gallery and they're doing these drops with all these awesome new artists who some are heard of and some aren't. And, you know, it's kind of, that's kind of the idea with that. But, um, yeah. And it goes back to this whole, I mean, a big part of this whole movement, right? Web three and and Mm -hmm. with NFTs was to give back control and ownership back to the artists and have proper profit for their work. So it's like being in the art space in the AI art space. I mean, it's just, your mission seems like it's still supporting. Yeah yeah you know contributing to the art space but also creating a platform for artists is like that's huge definitely. that'll always be there definitely definitely yeah so shifting gears a little bit yeah talking more about you know you how i know with all these projects in the past you've done like would you say you've been pretty entrepreneurial yeah like your whole life yeah yeah as long as i remember i mean i remember in i don't remember what grade it was i have to ask my parents but when I was really young, me and my friend used to make 
bracelets and necklaces yeah. and we'd sell them on the street and um because his mom also we 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 were able to like make some like pendants and stuff to go on them and we were just into just making as many of those as possible and just going out on the streets in San Francisco and selling them and just things like that where it's like i just remember making like a few hundred bucks doing that back then and buying a digital camera yeah for a few hundred bucks i just remember being like at the time being like this is we it just made so much money <laughs> like, it, it was just like this is it like <laughs> yeah it was like i think it was like a few hundred dollars but when you're that young that feels like so much oh, yeah. money that it was just like it just felt like the craziest thing yeah. ever i could like buy my own stuff and i've always just wanted this like like independence with mm. with money it's like the classic like financial independence you yeah. know yeah, yeah like I've always been so drawn to that. And I, I used to like ask my parents if I was on track to make a million dollars before high school was done, if I could not go to college because <laughs> then I could, and they were always like, sure, if you're like going to make a million, if you're like have on track to make a million dollars yeah. before you graduate, sure. And of course, once you, when you're like younger too, you don't really even understand like, it, that is a lot of money. Yeah. Like, that is like not like you just hear it's, about all these people so making it's all this so money. Oh, you make a million dollars, yeah. make a million dollars. Yeah. But then it's like you start looking into I'm it and sure, you're like, yeah. it's a lot of money, you know? So they're like, here, here I am at college. So yeah. I didn't do that. Dude, it's so easy to think about like, because I'm a big basketball fan, NBA, yeah. and those contracts get handed out 20 oh, exactly. million a year. And it I'm makes like, it feel and small. I look at that and I'm, you know, looking at jobs and then also like future career, big picture goals, like what do I want to do? Yeah. It's like, what is realistically going to get me to the point where it's like, okay, I can make 40 mil a year like that. Like yeah, where they just get a ridiculous. contract. It's, it's like, like you there's like yeah. no, it's like, there's such a, like nobody yeah. does that. Like it's insane. Yeah. And even, even like one mil just sounds like with, with all the millions getting thrown around, it's just like, Oh, one mil. It like what? Small, like, right. And then it's you like go, 10 mil. Like, I got to get. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. Yeah. Dang. Okay. But, and then, um, so you grew up in San Francisco. Yeah. How was that? How was, how was, was San great. Francisco? I love San Francisco. So yeah, I lived there my whole life. Um, uh, it was great. We lived fully in the city. I mm. went to school in the city. I went to high school in, in, in the Presidio. Um, and it was great. I mean, I think it also helped with like just being in this area for like entrepreneurship oh, and that's sure, yeah. like my dad has has always done his own thing okay his own i was gonna ask like, where do you where do you so, think you got that definitely from him mindset. definitely yeah. from him because he's always been doing his own projects and, and awesome. has had his own companies um so i think it was like always seeing that but mm. then um i think it was definitely not only just like seeing it i think it was definitely just like part of me though that i really wanted to do that because um i don't know it just feels different between me and my siblings too or my because i do have three siblings Mm. and it's not like everyone's exactly the same with just wanting to like do their own business and like do something that's like everyone's totally doing their own stuff which is cool um but i definitely think i kind of got this drive like this entrepreneurial drive from my dad um and and then i came to school here part partly because of that because it's like santa clara it's like silicon valley and it's just like it felt like it's such a good spot for that which is which was a big part of why i came here was because of being in this like all this just this entrepreneurial area with like all Mm. these companies and all these 
startups and it was kind of felt exciting because yeah. it's like there's plenty of schools with good engineering programs but i've always known i wanted to do my own thing so mm. kind of interesting because often people will be kind of confused right because i'm studying mechanical engineering which is like so different from what i'm doing and it's so yeah. it's not like always as like entrepreneurial you know it's like there's lots of just engineers working for some company just as an engineer which is awesome but yeah never been what i have wanted to do and i knew that since the beginning since i first came into mechanical engineering my whole idea was that i always thought i'd study this so that i could then start my own company with a physical product and have this credibility of having this mechanical engineering degree and of course now it's played out differently because i'm doing this project where I it's I have not built a <laughs> physical product yet. but yeah not yet but um I still feel like the engineering degree I stuck with it even after uh these projects started to go well because I just love building and that is the only thing I could think of wanting to study in college you know yeah, yeah. so I just stuck with that because I feel like People, some people study like entrepreneurship. I, I've just never like I, I just I've been entrepreneurial. I'm exactly, just, I've been yeah. doing that. I feel yeah. like it's cooler to to study something that you're really interested in that mm-hmm. maybe you'll be able to apply to your company in the future, and yeah. maybe not with like with what I've been doing. But the way that I always thought about it was that I'm gonna study engineering, and then I'm gonna start a company with a physical product yeah. and the engineering degree. It's going to give me all the credibility I need to go get funding for building my product because yeah. I'd be like, oh, well, he has a mechanical engineering degree. It's going to be cool, you yeah. know? So that was kind of my whole thinking with mm-hmm. it. But it all definitely started from being in San Francisco, like like this question stemmed from. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good. Yeah. And so it like obviously creating a, a company, starting a company, mm-hmm. that vision of yours, it's still, it's still on your mind to do. I know Mirage Gallery is probably... Yes. You probably have like more like near-term plans with that to continue building with it yeah Um, it's kind of interesting because it's been like a different sort of a company right because the soft the software development company that me and my friend did before almost felt like more of a traditional like established not established but like yeah traditional in the organizational sense Mm -hmm. because we were a company and we 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 were incorporated and we had like maybe nine to 10 people who were working with us on it. And it just felt very traditional. Like we have a company, but then Mirage Gallery is kind of interesting because it started very informal and was just kind of just doing this stuff and doing this art and then trying to sell it. And then now it's an LLC, but the LLC was formed in 2022. So <laughs> we had made a bunch of money before that because it just, when you're in the crypto space, it's very different because for the soft, the software development company, which is called Omni Launch, mm. we, uh, we were, we had like a company bank account and we had these payments coming in and paying people. And it was very like traditional in that sense, yeah. which made more sense to have like a normal company structure. Um, but then with being in the crypto space, it's very weird because 
you don't end up needing a bank account as much because you have your your crypto address and you can hold your money in there and you could have it in stables in there too if you don't feel like having it all in a volatile asset um but i think because of like the how informal the crypto space can be it kind of also prolonged how long it took to make mirage gallery like into more of a formal mm-hmm. company in the sense like okay now it's an llc and like it just kind of there's still there haven't been very many people working on it compared to this software development company which wasn't making very much money but still felt way more formal and all these different people like project managers and product managers and yeah. people doing sales and like people helping with accounting like it just felt like there was all this stuff going on and this one has just felt so different so mm. it'll be interesting to see like what it turns into for yeah. if it keeps going down like the formal structure of a company or it just kind of how things are in the crypto space and how things turn out because the crypto space is so new so there's not very many like it's kind of hard to figure out the way you should do things in the crypto space because it's so yeah. new. Yeah. So it's kind of just been having fun with it and just trying things out. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I'm, I'd assume that Mirage Gallery you've had more fun with than the, I mean, obviously you yeah. mentioned the software development. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, was there anything you took out? I know it was almost like a, the stepping, mm-hmm. a, ste- a stepping stone mm-hmm. uh, amongst many that led to Mirage Gallery. Mm-hmm. And I know, I mean, it's just doing a quick, you know, stock of your profile mm-hmm. uh with you do you did also teach guitar oh yeah is I that correct? guitar for a decade a decade yeah, yeah. and it's like did you did you I get anything that, did you yeah. get anything from that that totally. led to even mirage gallery totally. in some way i mean teaching guitar yeah i totally forgot to mention that so i played guitar since it. i was after a seven <laughs> yeah exactly after a decade i forgot to mention that i did do that for a very long time um pretty much I started playing guitar when I I I, I was seven and got mm. super into it. Um, I was actually just at a fingerstyle guitar concert last night with my g- 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 girlfriend. Nice. But um, I I got into guitar when I was seven. Um, pretty much just went full force in and got into it and got into this more technical style of playing. This like fingerstyle is really complex method of playing, and then. I started teaching when I was 12 mm. and I had just had one student like for a long time. I was just not really trying to like build it into something. But yeah. then once I was getting to high school, I started significantly stepping up how many people I was teaching. Cause I was like, okay, I want to like this. I want this to be my job for high school. And so at my peak in high school, I think I was doing 14 classes every week. Mm. Um, it was all just after school. I just dragged to people's houses, biked to people's houses before I had a car. But that was like my entire source of income. And that's how I bought my first car. It was entirely paid for with guitar classes. Because I was Sweet. teaching so many guitar classes like in high school. It was like a lot. It was like 14 classes after school during yeah. the week. is a lot. Um, so it definitely helped with just time management you know i've i've always been very comfortable with time management and i think that was what allowed me to teach so much guitar and not fall behind in school yeah um, or just like applying for colleges and stuff yeah. but um yeah no it definitely helped just learning to like communicate with people too and at the beginning i taught almost all kids and then in the end it was about 
50-50 kids and, and adults, which is always interesting, too, because the, the adults would always be, like, decades older than me, and they'd be teaching them, right? <laughs> they'd be paying me. It's always, it's a, it just helped with this good, like, communication and being professional and, mm-hmm. like, being on time. It's like, that was one of my main things. Like, like always was on time to classes, you yeah. know? And just trying to have a good, like, just good reputation as doing this. And um, I, I only started, stopped teaching this past October because I got so busy with everything with Mirage Gallery and I didn't feel that I needed the money from the teaching. So I, I just thought it was time to stop because I felt now that I, in the free time that I do have, I'd prefer to practice guitar myself yeah. compared to in the free time to teach it to other yeah. people because teaching as much as you'd hope it would be like, practicing and teaching it's really not when when you're teaching people who are a lot lower skill level than you it's Mm. not like you get to practice during teaching them it's just you're just teaching them so because of that i kind of felt like i'd prefer to stop teaching and spend that time practicing instead um just for my hobby of guitar playing so so you continue you continue to play oh yeah for sure what so i know you mentioned the style of playing yeah finger style finger style so i actually fair enough i played guitar for like eight years i think um or i was just taking lessons for eight years i started in like fifth grade and then I, i stopped after high school and i mean for me i always loved it like when i was playing it i was in involved you know i was yeah it really helped me push myself um because I was like a part of the lessons they would put you in like a little band so and then they would have show yearly showcases sure, okay. yeah and man those are frightening right. <laughs> but like it was it was sweet it was it was a lot of fun to do looking back on it mm-hmm. and honestly I wish I, I kind of I had the passion was there I knew it you know yeah. I like during the le- like lessons I, I love doing it but it was more just it always felt like a like homework or a chore for yeah. me outside which yeah. sucked it kind of sucked it away from yeah. me but um but enough yeah like it was that's a that's a great outlet for teaching as well definitely and it's just also like when you're playing it's like if you felt like you were actually into it during the class Mm. then you should like stick with it because i can tell you from my experience that not everyone felt that way like i've just taught lots of kids who Mm. it feels like their parents really are the only (laughs) reason why they're taking this class with me and they just like the kids just don't care like i've taught plenty of kids like that so if you did feel like you actually had yeah, yeah. an enjoyment for it. Just know that that's definitely not everyone. So okay. that's it. Could mean you should like yeah. try it out again. You know, you like know? we have a guitar at our our house, and yeah. I still have my guitars. Um, and I did bring it to college, like sophomore freshman year. And when I pick it up, it's just muscle memory. You know, I know I know different so like the patterns and stuff, so and I enjoy doing it. I, a lot of things I miss is like, uh, like a lot of the chord knowledge. Obviously, if yeah. I haven't practiced in a while. Um, but it's like through the lessons, I used to know how to play these songs and stuff that I forgot, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, you know, who knows, maybe summertime, like, gotta get back no into school. It. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> We're done now. Like, I'm telling you, like, if you practice like 20 minutes e- e- every few days, mm. like that's still something like, yeah. even at this point in time for me, like, I'll be happy if I play that much because <laughs> I've been so busy. Yeah. It's like, I've played during COVID, I was playing like two hours a day, so that was great because that was just great for practicing. But mm. now it's like it's hard when you're in school. Yeah. It's hard to find time. Also, I feel bad at my house sometimes because 
I have probably about two and a half hours of me music mm-hmm. that, that, that I, I can play. Yeah. Two and a half hours of, of like really hard technical songs. Because mm-hmm. I just do all these songs. I don't sing. It's just these really complex fingerstyle pieces. So yeah. I probably have about two hours or so of those like back to back, which is a good number. But the way that I have to keep up with with remembering all these like really technical songs mm. is to just play them over and over again. So yeah. I also when I'm living <laughs> I live currently with five people, right? Yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah. I feel bad sometimes. <laughs> it's like I don't want them to have to just hear me play the same, same songs yeah. over and over again. But I can also guarantee that if you're trying to learn complicated stuff, you one hundred percent after just play it over and over oh, again. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you kind of, it's just then, hard when you live with people I'm and sure, you feel bad. I'm sure at least, even though you're playing it over and over again, it's probably like, it probably sounds good. It's a good yeah. stretch of a piece, a musical yes, piece. Exactly. Uh, I used to live last year with a, uh, he was a piano student here, mm-hmm. or um, not majoring in piano mm-hmm. or whatever, but uh, he was really good. Yeah. He was a really good pianist. And he would just be playing in the house. And it was honestly so cool because like, yeah. He would his practicing was literally like full songs. Totally, so it that's was like for me. It, yeah. it was like a yeah. I would walk out of my room and just hear the piano yeah. going, and I'm like, "This is awesome! Like totally. this is just a live concert right here. I don't have to pay for it. I got that's <laughs> exactly what the guy who I lived with um, freshman year in Swig, mm-hmm. he mentioned that I think I was I think we were like talking to my parents or something. He was like at my house with my parents, and he was saying that. He was happy that at least I was good at guitar <laughs> because he had to hear it so much. Yeah. But thank God I could actually play something that sounds yeah. good because it would be even more horrible yeah. to have to hear songs over and over again that also all sound horrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so he was like, like, well, thankfully he can actually play well. So that's good. Yeah. It's like first time you meet him, it's like, yeah, like I'm, I'm decided to start playing guitar. Yeah. And it's like the tuning. The yeah, That's not as fun to hear. So, uh... Let me ask you. Yeah. What is a typical, like with Mirage Gallery, you're always yeah. busy. Like, yeah. what's a typical, like, day in your life? Like, that, so that kind of goes through. It's funny. It changes so much. Yeah, I'm sure much. it changes yeah, all the time. It changes time. so much because I've been doing all these different sorts of projects through Mirage Gallery. Mm-hmm. But I'd say normally my focus, like, on average, tends to be pretty evenly split up between the AI side of things. Um, the smart contract mm. um, side of things and like the Twitter side of things because like you kind of figure out once you get into the crypto space that you really have to grind on marketing your project mm. and Twitter yeah. is the place to be Love Twitter. for the crypto space. Yeah. So I spend a lot of my time also working on sharing cool art pieces, tweeting out that we're doing a new project mm. in trying to engage with people. And I, I think that is very important to just getting eyes on the project. Yeah. So then it's like that, trying to code some new part of this, uh, some new part of a smart contract and also training these new AI mama models. And the training is kind of interesting because the training will normally take a lot of upfront time to like, get the data set prepared, get it all formatted properly, do all this uh, complicated stuff. That's kind of a pain. But then once you start the training, it just yeah. takes time. So it doesn't. it's not as hands-on once the training starts. It just 
needs to train for a few days and then I can just focus on other stuff. But I'd say it, it I'd say it's a pretty even split between those three things. Mm. And I I mean I work on the project every day for sure. So it's um, a lot of hands on more than like communicating, like calling having phone calls and stuff yeah, throughout the day. So I yeah, I don't I'm I, I do have calls with people but not like not on average numerous a day. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. I have calls every few days maybe but a lot of the stuff that i'm doing um is just working on these projects myself and just working on on coding the smart contracts or training a new model or putting together a new data set or being on twitter or discord talking with people from the community and trying to like tell them what's what's going on and what what the new updates are because that's important because if you don't do that people think you're not yeah. working on the project, mm-hmm. you, even if if you are. So yeah, people, you got to like keep people mm-hmm. posted. You know who are who are supporters too. I think yeah. I would want everyone who like has bought a piece, or especially people who continue to support all the drops I've been doing. Um, trying to just make sure everyone has a good experience. I think yeah. I've been really focusing time on that, and I think that'll. Uh, I I think it'll just be good to have that over the long term. Like there's just been some things here and there where, oh, I'll make a bug in my site and somebody will go to mint a project and it, it it'll mint them a piece from from the previous project, and then it's like, okay, so what do you do in that situation? Right? Yeah. Technically, you don't have to do anything. Right? Technically, you could just be like, sorry, you're stuck with it. But what I've always done, because I've always been like, no, I'm not going to be like that. I'm, I'm going to make sure they leave after had this experience and they're happy so i'll like send them their my money back that they paid for that piece and i'll say they can keep that piece they got so it's like things like that right where it's like then they're they come out of it being like okay now i'm gonna buy the actual piece i I was trying to so then i pretty much just gave them one piece for free but then they had this they just felt like they were taken care of and yeah. they they had a great experience. Yeah. So I think that's also an important part of the space because the crypto space is very weird because there's lots of like fully anonymous teams and yeah. lots of stuff where like yeah. you don't know what's going on. Yeah. I've not been like that. I've been people know it's my huge. face and know my name and I've trying to like build up credibility Definitely. for myself and for Mirage Gallery. That's- I just having it be something that people trust because obviously in the crypto space, there's plenty of scams, right? Yeah, so definitely. it's good it's to fun. like prove credibility and, and show people good experiences. Yeah. And you know, um, uh, like in this, like the community aspect is so huge because like we were talking about the 95, also you, you feel a sense of responsibility with the people bought. And like you mentioned that 95% of, like almost ninety five percent of projects, it's like that provide no value oh, or totally, like yeah. like anonymous teams. Yeah, it's like I feel like this space is really saturated, but also there's a maturity that's kind of like come from it, where it's like people are gonna stop buying these kind of like kind of useless projects, or like if the the founding team's not like or the terminology of these docs, I believe yep, docs. Um, and I feel like that maturity will be a beautiful thing because then it'll be it'll be more going back to the foundation of like why yeah. this was originally created. Yeah. So it's like you doing that and contributing that to the space is even, that's a, that's an advantage as well. And I'm like, yeah. that's, that's great to hear too. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, kind of wrapping up, I overheard 
like I remember at the senior design mm-hmm. um, demo thing, uh, I overheard you like I was with Beckett. You were talking to Beckett, That's right. Uh, That's right? And like future plans with the Mirage Gallery. Obviously, we're gonna do projects. Are you? I heard you were you were going somewhere going abroad. To Portugal, yeah. Portugal. So I'm coming to Portugal. Um, with Lucas, who mm-hmm. is the guy who's been working on a lot of these projects with, with me, and he's also been doing a lot of his own stuff, and he's really interested in open AI, and mm-hmm. he's an, an ambassador there, um, and has just gone super deep, into, especially into GPT-3 and all, all, all these NLPs. Um, but so he he also is like, not having a traditional job out of college in yeah. the same sense. So because of that, we were like, well, this is a great opportunity to just like work in some crazy place where, you know, it's like if I'm not going to have a, tra- a traditional job where I need to come to an office and living abroad for for a bit is not only just a very fun experience, I feel like, mm-hmm. but also, it can also be cheaper than here. It's super expensive here. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I was like, I mean, why you, you would, would we not do this? Yeah. yeah. Way, yeah, yeah I was yeah. like, why would we not do this if it's going to be some crazy experience and it's cheaper? Because yeah. it's not like we're vacationing. <laughs> because like it's vacationing only if you're also paying for a house here. Yeah. But if we're not going to do that, we're not going to have a house here. So because of that, it's just cheaper yeah. and it'll be fun so we got a place in portugal for a m- month um sweet i'm gonna be there after going to this nft conference at the end of june um I'll this be at the one in new york in new york so yeah. we're going to that because I, I i got um accepted as a speaker for that conference sweet. so Congrats. i'll be there thank you i'll be there um and then we're gonna fly to portugal straight from there Nice. And then we'll be in Portugal for a month, yeah. and then we're kind of just going to figure out what to do next once we're in Portugal, and we might go to Belgium or go somewhere yeah, else okay. after Portugal. You think, yeah, like after the month, you might we'll probably explore. keep doing it for a couple months. I mean, you're able to do it for up to three months straight without requiring some sort of visa. Gosh, gotcha. so okay. You you can pretty much go for a. Th- for three months of every six months with really? okay. having a visa. Yeah. So if you were trying to fully maximize time spent in Europe without getting a visa, yeah. you could do three months there, three months back, three months there, yeah. three yeah. months back. And you could just do that. But if you're trying to go for four months, you would need some visitor or work visa or something. But... um. Yeah, we're pretty much just going to do that and see how long we end up doing it for. If we do it for the full three months or if mm. we just do two months. Or yeah. All we know for now is first month is in Portugal. Yeah. So it's, that'll be fun. Are you, do you like the travel? Is that something you want? So I haven't done a lot of traveling. Um, like I, I've never been to Europe. Yeah. Um, so that'll be fun. That is I actually, exciting. my family went to in italy oh, when i was taking summer classes oh, after man. freshman year yeah. here i had them in person yeah so i couldn't go so um but i, I i've been um i've been to mexico a few times mm-hmm. I, i've mm-hmm. been i've been to belize mm-hmm. and also the one crazy spot i've been to is i've been to to dubai but Whoa. then but besides that like i've never been in you 
Europe yeah. at all. So I think that's interesting. You've been to Dubai coming, yeah, before Europe. <laughs> I've been to Dubai. I went there with my dad. It just he was speaking at some um, yeah. some conference there, yeah. and it happened to be during my spring break during our freshman. That's perfect. Year. Yeah. Here, so he asked me if I wanted to go, and I was like, "Well, that's perfect." <laughs> During my spring break, of course, yeah, let's of course. do it. So I got that's to incredible. do that. So that that was a cool experience too, because yeah. that was just, that was I've never been on a plane anywhere near that long. It's yeah. like oh I've probably gosh. been on a five hour flight. How long is that? That flight? was like a thirteen hours. Thirteen? Yeah. So yeah, Jeez. it was long. <laughs> yeah, no, those flights. That's the only thing, man. That's why. That's why going to Europe, like. You have to do it right, I feel like. That's a good length. Even a month. Like, that's a perfect length. Totally. I mean, also, that's kind of nice about that we're going to go to the conference in New York City first because yeah. that'll make the you flight shorter. Yeah, there we right? go. Because we're going to fly there, be there for four days, yeah. and then fly to Portugal, which will be like nine hours of yeah. flight time compared to going straight from here to Portugal yeah, would be yeah. a lot longer. Especially so. if, like, if you had to go to New York, then come back. That, exactly. Like, That's why yeah. we were like, let's just fly from <laughs> there. Cool. Like, it makes That's no hard. sense to come back just to go again, yeah. you know? Is so. this your first time in New York then, too? No, it's my second time. Okay, second okay, time. cool. Yeah, I've been once. Do you, do you see yourself... I mean, you know, born and raised here. I'm actually from South San Jose. Okay. Um, and I've just fantasized over this idea of, like, a city and, like, yeah. just seeing just getting a new perspective right yeah um and i'm sure traveling for up to three months will give you that perspective but is it ever a thing it's like you would maybe potentially move somewhere else or are you more like like you you would want to work like month on a month basis it's hard to say i mean i love san francisco i would love to live there the one thing i felt with like okay well if if i just got a place there right after college i feel like I'd end up just staying there my 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 whole life, and yeah. then I would have never left. I would have lived there my whole life. Man, with that price, I'll get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would just felt like I would have never left if <laughs> if I went back. So I just feel like I wanted to do some different experience before probably coming back to California mm-hmm. after, because I feel like if I'm in the states, I couldn't imagine living somewhere. That's not like Bay Area, or San Francisco. Yeah. That's how I feel. Interesting. Yeah. 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 No, that's because I, I know the different uh, viewpoints on San Francisco mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's like, yeah. Like every time I drive to San Francisco, there's something about it. It's, I don't know, like if I can live in San Francisco, but there's something about just driving to the city and just seeing it. It's great. And I'm like, this is a city, like, this, this is, is a city. city, man. Yeah. Like, I'm in San Jose's a city, but like, you know, it's, it's different. It's same. different. Yeah, it's, it's not the same at all. And it, it gets me excited all the time. It's like, you get so. No, totally. It's just like you get so inspired and motivated. And I feel like that that's what that's what traveling does and like Mm -hmm. getting new experiences. I went to New York for a week before this year Mm -hmm. and I was just it was the craziest experience for me because I've been wanting to go for like so long. Yeah. I actually I actually like had a trip planned twenty twenty. Because my friends go to college over there. And we literally had the tickets and COVID started going. I was like, I call my friends, like, this is not looking good, dude. Yeah. It's like, so I had to cancel the flight tickets. COVID so, canceled so much, yeah. so many plans for people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's just going to, yeah, living in a city or experiencing a city or yeah. even traveling abroad probably does so much. And yeah, and do you do you ever get, like, mental roadblock or, or anything working on Mirage Gallery? Like, how do you get past any, like, mental roadblocks <laughs> you get? Well, I'd say the one thing that's been stressful has been the volatility of the crypto market. Mm. But besides that, 
there hasn't really been anything that's really like stopped me and like for on the AI side of things I've always just been like kept going and working on everything yeah. the one thing that's been stressful though has just been like well we're not very experienced with what we should do here and for these scenarios with like okay taxes right how do taxes work when you like make money for the first time like because i think last year in taxes i probably paid like 200 bucks in taxes and then for like 2020 yeah. and then for 2021 it's like an absurd amount yeah. more than that with Mirage Gallery See, that's, and it's that's like, even a roller coaster right there. and it's like, scary because the thing is that's crazy with Ethereum is mm. when you make Ethereum as income right yeah. so if I'm selling an art piece and you pay me in Ethereum that's not any capital gain that's income right yeah. so that means I owe tax on the the price paid or the price that ethereum was at when you gave it to me gotcha. so now if you think about it that gets stressful because let's say for example mm-hmm. you make two hundred fifty thousand dollars in ethereum when ethereum is at four thousand dollars a coin yeah. right so okay so if you're making 250 grand that means you're going to owe about 35 percent income tax mm-hmm. on that right so You'd be like, okay, so if you have 250 grand and you owe 35% income tax, that means you owe 87,000. Mm. And August did this off, off, he did this all mentally. Okay, <laughs> exactly. 87,500, right? Yeah. On um, that 250. But now here's the thing when it gets, when it gets stressful, right? Because mm. now let's say you are so confident in Ethereum, right? That you are like, going to go to 10,000. It's at 4,000 when I made this. It's going to go to 10,000. Now, let's say Ethereum <clears throat> drops to $1,000. Mm. Okay? So, now that $250,000 you made is not worth anywhere near that much. Yeah. It's wow. now, right? So, if that it's now worth a quarter of that. So, it's now worth 25% of what it was worth, right? Yeah. But you owed 35%. So That's crazy. Now, that's how people go bankrupt, yeah. right? Because now you now owe more money in taxes than you have. That's crazy. So, that's why it can be stressful when you're making money in a volatile asset yeah. because you it's kind of like what I've been thinking now is I'm like it feels like the safest way that I, I kind of have been trying to do things is when you make income, try and sell half of it. Um, when, when you're making income in a vol- volatile yeah. asset, right? You sell half the day of. That means that 50% can fully cover up to 37% in taxes mm-hmm. and gives you some on, on top for mm-hmm. savings. Now you have your other 50%, which if Ethereum goes to 10000 that fifty yeah. percent will will and make I guess you some I money. Can't, you can't dwell on the fact is like if it did go to ten thousand, you can't dwell on. Like, you wish oh, you had wish, all of it in there, right? That's, that's the thing. But it's like, yeah. well, what if it goes to five hundred dollars? Yeah. And now you have no money. That's but now crazy. you owe ninety thousand dollars in taxes that you don't have. Yeah. So then it's like, okay, now that is about to get stressful because yeah. uh, <laughs> just a little bit. It's gonna be like, IRS is gonna be like, we don't care. Yeah. Like you owe us we that money because care. you made that income. Yeah. So. It's like things like that. That's been the one thing that's, that's really crazy. kind of been stressing me out because there have definitely been some mistakes I've made where it's like I definitely wish I was 
like doing this whole selling half thing earlier on because there's just times where like owing a bunch of money in taxes and trying to figure out how to pay it and if ethereum's low you feel stuck and you like mm. have all these ethereum holdings but you feel trapped because you don't want to sell them because yeah. you feel like the price is too low because you made it at a higher price yeah. so you owe income at you owe income tax at a higher number so you don't want to sell now so then it's like you're trapped until it hits that price again so Stuff like that can be stressful. Yeah, but definitely. For the actual just like AI NFT side of things, it's all just been fun, it feels like. And it's just awesome. been a fun l- learning experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's something you don't think about with the tax situation, yeah, actually. Totally. It's like, and it makes that 27 hour like awake journey just probably right. feel like I'd, I'd do that again in a right. heartbeat rather exactly. than dealing with this stuff. Exactly. Oh, man. But yeah, that's, that's very fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and I got, I got one more kind of reflective. Yeah question for you as we wrap up but mm-hmm. um i mean so you, you always hear about like what would you like tell your younger self like what advice would you give your younger self mm-hmm. and something i've been asking the people i have a conversation with is looking a little bit into the future and like what do you think your five-year future self will tell would tell your current self today yeah that's a good one i mean probably what I would hope that my five-year future self would mm-hmm. tell me is to just keep going mm-hmm. and keep grinding because that is like, that's what I feel like I would tell myself from however long ago. And I feel like I hope that continues, just to, that I continue to feel that way. Like, just keep going, keep pushing. Because, of course, assuming that your future self can't tell you some secret hack on how you're going to make yeah. a bunch of money, <laughs> right? But um, I'd say I've always felt like just keep going because mm-hmm. I just, I've been trying all these projects and so many projects that don't pick up any traction. But I just keep trying more projects. And I finally got something that like picked up some traction. So I feel like either continue, I hope I'll, I would tell myself to either like continue working on this project or just keep trying in general and seeing how it goes. And if, you know, everything ends up falling apart and I get into a different space, like, that's still just like, okay, keep going, then keep going. Like, just don't give up on, on the idea of just continue working on any sorts of projects, you know? Yeah. yeah. And maybe your five-year future self would also tell you, like, hey, that, that 13 hours sleep was, was, was amazing great. again. <laughs> that right? second yeah, exactly. One. That second one. <laughs> well, August, I really appreciate you coming on here, of having course. a talk with me. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we talked about a lot. That was a good conversation. Yeah, I really right? enjoyed it. That was Learned a, long a lot. Time. Yeah. And uh, it was great meeting you, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Best of luck with everything. Thank you. Now, if you want to check out Mirage Gallery and all of its incredible pieces, I have linked their website and collection on the NFT marketplace OpenSea down below in the episode's description. And if you want to connect with me, tell me your thoughts about the episode, what you liked, what you didn't. You can reach me via Twitter. I have also put that link down below as well. And that's that. Uh, Thank you again for tuning in to the Almighty Podcast series. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation with August Rosedale. Uh, Until next time, it's Alexander Lewis, and hope you have a great rest of your day. Cheers.